Broadcasting from the Superbook Sports Studios, KTUS AM 1060, Tempe, Phoenix, and KSLX HD2, Scottsdale, Phoenix. It's time to hit the field with Extra Point, featuring Kayla Mortallaro and Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060. Tweet the show at KDUS AM 1060 or give us a call at 602-260-1060. The snap is back. The hold is down. You can't miss with this combination. And the extra point is good. online at kdos1060.com and with the kdos 1060 app powered by superbook sports it is wednesday it is september 6th bob camp kayla mortellaro with you up until noon today as we typically do mondays wednesdays thursdays and fridays before we get back into our discussions let's reset the scene with today's poll questions and we'll start with the kdos1060.com poll question and see if there's been any movement at all off of no here the question is does it matter uh that the arizona cardinals have not yet announced their starting quarterback for week one at washington and there has been movement no continues to lead the way here at 94 percent of the vote but yes sitting at six percent okay getting tighter there we go (laughs) um as far as uh, i just saw a, a text alert headline i don't even know where it's from uh, are the Cardinals the worst team in NFL history? Question mark. Oh man, that's not good. If that's already starting history, that's ba- pretty extensive. They're bad. Well, I mean, I don't remember a team, and I, it's a 17-game season now. But I've been doing these win total things for a long time. I don't remember a team, unless it maybe an expansion team. But this is kind of an expansion team right now, roster-wise that has had a win total as low as four and a half. And there's apparently a couple of fours in the world now, if you want to even try to find a four and better. If you're in the Cardinals over uh, the win total, apparently there's a couple of fours out there offshore now. I mean, the Lions had an 0-16 season. That's true. And, they were that, in that's the, and they've been in the league for a long time, too. <laughs> Well, but I wasn't, you know, I don't remember what the win total was for them at the start of the season. I'm guessing it was not four, four and a half. So maybe it was, you know, Tampa Bay in 1976, I think it was when they didn't win a game for like a year and a half. Uh, They didn't have win totals in those days, to my knowledge, back in the, I don't remember any season win total propositions until maybe the mid nineties, early nineties. But, uh, those are the two, you know, you mentioned the Lions. The first thing I think of is the worst team of all time is Tampa Bay. Back in the deal, back in the day, John McKay was the coach, and he was asked about his team's ex- execution, and he said something like, I'm in favor of it, because they didn't have any other answer to that question. He was a, a wise ass and an old guy, and uh, that was an excellent answer. I still remember that quote from mid-'70s, even though I'm not exactly I'm paraphrasing his quote. We will answer today's uh, KDOS1060.com poll question around 1130, so still time for you to cast your vote. Flipping this on over to Twitter at KDOSAM1060, which team most needs to solve their contract situation, the Chiefs with Chris Jones or the 49ers with Nick Bosa? And Nick Bosa continues to lead the way at 71.4%, and Chris Jones trailing at 28.6%. I did see that Chris Jones has, like, met the media or he's talked or he's given some, provided some quotes, and he basically is saying, I'm just asking, Asking for a raise. 
This dude's on, I don't do the social media thing. He must be on social media like 25 hours a day. Because uh, he's getting quoted every day by somebody from somewhere, and he's not there. Uh, so you know, whether it's uh, people that have you know, inside sources or reporters that know him or whatever, uh, he's quoted all the time. And there seems to be you know, little doubt that he wants, uh, and he, so does Bosa, they want Aaron Donald type of money and don't think that's going to happen because Donald's making $31.6 million per year uh, through 2025. Yeah, and, uh, you know, Aaron Donald money, and then even, I think, uh, surpassing T.J. Watt money for Nick Bosa, right? Yeah, uh, I think that would be, you know, and I'm I'm, going to give away my answer here, but, uh, you know, I am going to give away my answer Uh here. I'm more on the, I don't mind, I think that Bosa, can't Bosa, if that's the approach, get more money or as much money as Watt, I can make a case that he's as good as Watt. Do you think that, uh, yeah, I had a conversation about the Bosa brothers, and I think Nick Bosa is better than Joey Bosa. Would you agree with that or disagree? I would agree with that. I mean, uh, you know, imagine the Cardinals with one of those two guys. They wouldn't be, like, maybe the worst team in NFL history. (laughs) (laughs) We'll answer that question as Bob will give his full thoughts around 1130. Still time for you to cast your vote over on Twitter at KDUS AM 1060. We'll take your calls in this hour at 1115-602-260-1060 is the number. We have to recap what's going on in Major League Baseball. Uh, The Diamondbacks lost yesterday to the Rockies 3-2. It was a Brandon Fott start. He went three and two-thirds, six hits, three runs, two walks, four strikeouts. The bullpen gave up only one hit and no runs in relief, but the Diamondbacks' bats only mustered six hits. Uh, This is one of the worst performances of the season for the Diamondbacks. Maybe they just assumed that they were going to beat Colorado because they've destroyed them this season. Uh, Today, unfortunately for the Diamondbacks, the last time they're playing Colorado this season. But before last night, the Diamondbacks were 9-2 against Colorado they had outscored them on those in those games 72 to 47 and it looked like they just showed up and thought uh, that they would just go through the motions and beat the Rockies again and that didn't happen a leadoff walk to start the game with Charlie Blackman it's a miracle uh, that fought they give up did not give up more than 3 runs he threw 70 pitches uh, and didn't even make it through the uh, you know fourth inning of this game uh, gave up eight base runners. You know, you know the Nolan Jones single, which was he thought, and I think everybody there probably thought, and watching on TV, I thought, was a home run uh, off the wall. That would have been a three-run homer. It would have been three nothing in the first inning. Uh, but Fought was terrible yesterday, and you know, just when you know he's been, you know, I don't mind it if you're getting clobbered by the Dodgers. But you're getting clobbered by the Rockies outside of Coors Field. I'm back to my level of concern situation with Brandon Fott. Uh, It is an afternoon game for the D-backs today to wrap up the series, and it's going to be Chris Flexen for the Rockies, 1-6, 6.89 ERA, 57 strikeouts. Zach Davies, 2-5, 6.45 ERA, 57 strikeouts. But he's put together a couple of good starts in a row now. He's been good since he's coming off the injured list. Yeah, last night the Diamondbacks uh, lost to Kyle Freeland, who had lost his previous 11 starts against Arizona. 
uh, and he beat them last night. Freeland also, Freeland also has the most losses in Major League Baseball of any pitcher. Uh, and he even after he won last night, so he's now six and fourteen on this season. Uh, but you know, Flexen and Freeland are Flexen's even actually worse than Freeland is. Freeland has had some decent starts, at least in his career. Uh, but Flexen, I'm just amazed that he's still in the major leagues, quite frankly. So as we take a look at what's going on around the National League, you have the Braves continue to be out in front here. 90 and 47 is their record. The Dodgers 84 and 53. The Brewers at 77 and 61. And then in the National League wild card race, we have the Phillies at 76 and 62. The Cubs at 75 and 64. And now the Reds at 73 and 68. On the outside looking in, you have the Marlins 71 and 67, a half game back. The Giants, or I'm sorry, the Diamondbacks at 71 and 68 at one game back and now the Giants at 70 and 69 two games back last night in addition to the Diamondbacks losing it was a really bad night for them in the wild card race if so to speak because the Cubs won they beat the Giants so somebody had to win that game in fact they're getting ready to play the uh, finale of that series in a few moments here at Wrigley Field the Reds scored a whole bunch of runs late in the game and walked it off against the Mariners last night and Miami, which was awful like last week at this time, really awful for several weeks, uh, they've now won five in a row, and uh, you know they beat the Dodgers last night. Yeah, speaking of that, so you have the Marlins beating the Dodgers 6-3 to three yesterday, and uh, let's get your thoughts here on what's going on with Clayton Kershaw. Clayton Kershaw went five innings, five hits, three runs, five walks, three strikeouts, two home runs given up, and there was a lot being discussed about the velocity from last night, which averaged 88.4 miles per hour on his fastball, which is down from a season average of 91.1 miles per hour. Also then, maybe complicating things, Dave Roberts said that his shoulder is limiting him but he's going to keep pitching and then Kershaw was asked about it and said that he's not having issues it's his command okay well I believe Kershaw I mean he's certainly come out and when he's something's been wrong with him whether it's been his back or his shoulder earlier this season he's certainly been pretty public about it so I would take his word for that just based on history uh this was it's news to me that his velocity was down to that level uh, I've kind of gone into football mood here yesterday, and I didn't watch any of that game. I didn't even see any highlights of that game last night. The Cubs beat the Giants, uh, as you alluded to here, 11-8. to The Cubs are looking to sweep with today's game as it's just about underway. Alex Wood gets the start, 5-4, and 4.35 ERA, 63 strikeouts, and Jordan Wicks, 2-0, 1.80 ERA, 12 strikeouts. I think that Wicks is actually a real key to the season for the Cubs. You know, like I've been proclaiming for weeks that Justin Steele should be the National League Cy Young Award winner. I actually saw, you know, Will Bond, you know, Chicago guy, <laughs> say that on uh, Pardon the Interruption yesterday, and I'm, you know, he, he's following my lead on this uh, because it seems like that maybe we're the only people that have Justin Steele as the National League Cy Young Award winner. Certainly the odds makers didn't last week at this time. So we'll see. But, yeah, Wicks is a guy that is intriguing. Uh, he's back up. He's a starting pitcher now. Uh, he's had two starts so far, and he's been really good. Uh, let's see how it is against the Giants, which before last night the Giants were trying to avoid being shut out for, the first, for three straight games before they exploded for eight runs last night. But, you know, the, I like the Cubs a lot as far as their position players. Their lineup is deep. 
They're a really good defensive team. Uh, their bullpen is getting much better once they kind of figured out who should be pitching when. Uh, but I don't trust the Cubs starting pitching when we get to a postseason situation. So I think that Wicks could be a real key if he performs at a high level. I think that he's in there uh, pretty quickly in the postseason and big-time games. We'll save the American League for the other side of the break. We'll also take your calls if you'd like to hop aboard, 602-260-1060. Not limited to just baseball talk. You can get back into the NFL, the Arizona Cardinals, uh, contract negotiations, as well as college football. 602-260-1060 is the number. We'll also continue on with the American League. There's, uh, Well, it has implications in the AL West. And it's also something that uh, maybe everyone wanted when these two players were traded from being teammates to being foes yeah. in the same division. So we'll dive into all of that next. It's happening here on KDOS AM 1060 online at KDOS 1060.com and with the KDOS 1060 app powered by Superbook Sports. It's the extra point on this Wednesday, September 6th. The Dan Patrick Show, weekday mornings from 6 to 9 a.m. This is just uh, something I like to call breakfast. With big-name guests, timely sports information, and more on KTUS AM 1060. here on KDOS AM 1060 online at KDOS1060.com and with the KDOS 1060 app powered by Superbook Sports. It is the Extra Point. Bob Kemp, Kayla Mortolaro with you up until noon today as we typically do Mondays, Wednesdays, Thursdays and Fridays. If you'd like to join the program, feel free to chime in. 602-260-1060 is the number. As we continue the Major League Baseball conversation here over in the American League, you have out in front the Orioles at 87 and 51 the Astros now at 79 and 61 the Twins at 73 and 66 in the wild card spots you have the Rays at 84 and 55 the Mariners at 77 and 61 and look at that the Blue Jays at 77 and 62 on the outside looking in it's the Texas Rangers a half game back and the Red Sox five games back as it is here, there's a pivotal series with the Astros and the Rangers, and the Astros beat the Rangers 14-1 to yesterday. Nathan Avaldi just went one, of, one and a third, five hits, four runs, one walk, one strikeout, two home runs. Dane Dunning came in five and a third, giving up 11 hits, nine runs, two walks, four strikeouts, and three home runs. Uh, and then for the Astros, it was a Frambear Valdez start, seven innings, six hits, one run, four walks, and four Ks for him. Yeah, he wasn't very good again, quite frankly, Valdez, but we'll see if that turns around. And unfortunately uh, for fantasy owners, I'm raising my hand here at Framer Valdez. Uh, he's been uh, highly inconsistent uh, at best for several weeks. And I go back to the injury, suffered a hamstring injury and had to lead the game against the Angels in July. I don't think he's been the same since then, for the most part. I know he threw a no-hitter against the AAA team from Cleveland. Remember, that was right after the trade deadline. And Cleveland had a depleted lineup. They just they traded, like, three of their starters from the regular lineup like the, the, in the uh, days right before the deadline. So it was literally a, just a garbage lineup they were facing, a minor league type of lineup. 
it's not like the Indians, excuse me, the Guardians are the best hitting team in baseball when they were intact. Uh, so, but Valdez to me, he's going to have to be much better if they're going to have another deep playoff run. You know, you, know, you mentioned Evaldi gave up the two home runs yesterday. Uh, both of those were to Altuve, yeah. who homered his first three at bats, in fact, yesterday. And uh, it was a romp in, uh, in uh, Texas yesterday and uh, tonight. Uh, this is fun. Ver- Verlander against Scherzer, the former teammates twice in Detroit and with the Mets. And uh, they apparently, and I'm sure this is correct, because uh, I've seen it and now heard it again this morning, they've never gone against each other in a starting pitching matchup before. Um, you know, they were on the same team for a while, more in Detroit than they were in uh, New York with the Mets. But, and they, you know, the interleague play thing wasn't going, it was going on, but not like it is now. So I guess that makes sense. So I'm not exactly disputing it because I saw it last night in print on uh, an AP story, and I heard it this morning on MLB Network. So this will be uh, see how this goes, and uh, obviously a big trade deadline moves for both those teams. And right now Houston's winning the battle in every way possible because not necessarily Verlander has been more dominant than Scherzer, but you know Houston's been much better, and Texas has just hit a wall here at some point. Yeah, and uh, just the numbers here, Justin Verlander on the season, 10-7, and 3.34 ERA, 113 strikeouts. Scherzer, 12-5, 3.55 ERA, 168 strikeouts. Some other games that... And all those numbers are actually, I apologize, but all those numbers have been much better since they got traded to Houston and Texas, respectively. That is 100% accurate. Uh, a couple of other games that have caught my attention for today. The Red Sox are at the Rays with Nick Pavetta, 9-7, and 4.4. 9 ERA, 145 strikeouts. Tyler Glasnow for the Rays, 7 and 5, uh, 3.17 ERA, 120 strikeouts. But just uh, in that battle there with uh, the American League East and the Orioles. Yeah, I don't really think there's much of a battle there, quite frankly. The Orioles are the far superior team at this point and have been for weeks. Uh, I do think that uh, you know, Glass now is really a big key for Tampa Bay in the postseason. Right now, um, just the way that the things might go in the postseason, I'm not sure I would be picking the Rays to win any series in, in, the, in the playoffs. Uh, the Mariners are at the Reds here. Logan Gilbert, 12 and 5, 3.56 ERA, 162 strikeouts versus Lion Richardson, 0 and 1, 6.75 ERA, 9 strikeouts. Yeah, I, I don't know who Richardson is. I didn't know who he was at all until last week, and then I watched him pitch, and now I just kind of go, they don't have anybody else that can pitch instead, and I'm sure he's only going to be out there for a few hitters unless he has an amazing performance and uh, his endurance gets better. Uh, but uh, you know, this is seemingly a mismatch. Uh, Gilbert has some high numbers, though. You know, Seattle has not scored runs all year. In fact, they were, you know, bottom half in the league. They were in the 20s, in fact, for runs scored, you know, early part of July. And since then, they've won a ton of games, and their offense has been much better. But, you know, their run support for Gilbert all year long has been really high. He has a run average of above three and a half, and yet he has that good of a record. He has some spectacular performances. And then once again, maybe I don't watch enough of the Mariners, or I did, I do now, but I didn't watch early in the season when they were basically a 500 team. Uh, it, those numbers almost make me wonder at least, I have to 
you know, investigate this to be totally sure about this, but it make me wonder if he had some uh, leads in games and he was just pitching to the scoreboard more as to his own you know, earned run average. And the Dodgers at the Marlins here, Lance Lynn, 10 and 10, 5.81 ERA, 171 strikeouts. JT uh, Chargos, 1 and 0, 3.78 ERA, 28 or 26 strikeouts. It's a bullpen game for the Marlins here. They've won five in a row after their, you know, really terrible, like, two months. Uh, so, you know, the, the, the National League wild card. Yeah, if the if some of these wild card teams like Arizona were playing better of late, the Marlins would have been buried as far as a wild card situation. But you have one five game winning streak and you're back in the playoff race and not just in the race, you're actually ahead of some of the teams you've been competing against. One thing we didn't talk about with the Dodgers when we were discussing Clayton Kershaw and the velocity from last night uh, is that we'll have to pay attention to what potentially is going to happen legally as well as maybe Major League Baseball disciplinary-wise with Julio Urias being arrested uh, on suspicion of domestic, uh, domestic violence. Yeah, I got into a little bit about this on yesterday's show and a little bit in the first hour. But, yeah, Andrew Friedman and also Dave Roberts uh, met with the media. They didn't play on Monday. Uh, so, yeah, yesterday is the first time that they had any kind of media availability. And they both addressed the uh, Urias situation uh, in arrest from Sunday night. This is not the first time that Urias has had a domestic violence situation. Uh, and it seems as if uh, the baseball public, or not the public, but the baseball media at least, uh, think it's highly unlikely unless these charges get just dropped immediately that Urias will be pitching the rest of this season at any point. Flipping this to the NFL and the big game to kick off week number one in the NFL season is going to be the Chiefs hosting the Lions. And we're all paying attention now to the status of Travis Kelsey after hyper extending his knee in practice yesterday, uh, calling into question his availability for Thursday's game. Adam Schefter, this is the last report I have seen on Travis Kelsey's situation reporting from yesterday is that Kelsey's ACL is intact. There is, in fact, inflammation in his knee, and they'll test it again today to determine his Thursday availability. Uh, so, one, great news there that the ACL is in attack, but not great news that there is significant inflammation in the knee. Right, and it seems to be uh, the same thing with Rappaport on NFL Network is, uh, you know, the two uh, you know, leading insiders, quote, unquote, seem to be in agreement here. Uh, certainly, the betting market was affected by this yesterday. Uh, the Chiefs were a six-and-a-half-point favorite. Actually, if I remember correctly, earlier this summer, they were a seven-point favorite. But before, you know, the last couple of days, like, you know, Sunday and Monday, uh, before the Kelsey uh, practice injury yesterday, they were still a six-and-a-half-point favorite. That's gone down to pretty much four-and-a-half in most locations, even though there's at least one location, uh, Circa in Las Vegas, which is a high volume and takes a lot of action, uh, sports book. They have it down to four at this point with the uh, Chiefs now four-point four favorites as of like 10 minutes ago. 
There's absolutely no doubt that Kelsey is a dynamic player. There's absolutely no doubt the chemistry and connection that he has with Patrick Mahomes. We have often marveled a lot last season as well, and just over the course of their time together, you know, how does Kelsey get so wide open when these plays break (laughs) down and, and things of this nature? When everyone knows that the ball is going to him, it still goes to him, and they still move the chains for positive yards. Uh, So it's just interesting now to take a look at where they stand in terms of depth if Kelsey is unable to play in tomorrow's contest. The depth at the tight end position includes Noah Gray and Blake Bell. Then if you just want to take a look at offensive production with wide receivers, you have Marquez Valdez-Scantling, Sky Moore, and then Kadarius Toney is expected to be back tomorrow uh, after missing most of offseason work. That's true. Yeah, I'm pretty sure we had Lewis Riddick on Super Bowl week. I asked him about how Kelsey gets so wide open, and he talked about the scheme. Yeah, you talked about the – I can certainly understand when plays break down, as you mentioned, with Mahomes because he scrambles around and does all the unorthodox throws, etc. But just the the play design, even when the plays don't break down – uh, it's amazing how often he's open, and I remember uh, Lewis talk, talking to us about that on Super Bowl week when we talked to him that uh, particular day. Well, that's also interesting here, and interesting from, you know, obviously the Lions had to make a ton of changes on their defense that they couldn't continue forward if they, you know, have aspirations to get better with the defense that they were rolling with last season, and they certainly struggled against tight ends. If you take a look at some numbers here from Warren Sharp, they ranked number 25 in EPA per attempt and number 29 in success rate against tight ends, so tight ends were able to have a success rate at 56% last season against the Lions uh, uh, covering tight ends. On early downs, that success rate went up to 61%, and in the red zone, that success rate went up to 69%. So, uh, you know, obviously Travis Kelsey is going to be definitely missed, but then to your point here, maybe it's scheme-wise we'll see something there with uh, Noah Gray in addition to whatever adjustments the Lions are capable of making to start this season. Yeah, you mentioned uh, that you know, they changed a lot of uh, a lot of starters are gone. In fact, they have three new starters in the secondary in Detroit. The thing is, I think that Kansas City just runs the ball in this game. I mean, the Tiger, the Tigers, <laughs> the Lions are terrible at stopping the run uh, last season. I don't know if they really made a whole lot of additions that might change that since last season. And remember, I think a lot of people forget, but remember when the Chiefs really needed to kind of take control of the second half of that game, I don't know if take control might be a strong term, in the Super Bowl, but remember part of their comeback was the fact that they just ran the ball a lot and the Chiefs were never able to stop them. That is that is definitely true. One other football note here. Uh, Bengals head coach Zach Taylor said Joe Burrow is expected to practice in full today. So that puts him on track to participate in week number one versus the Browns. I think he's already practiced in full today, if I'm not mistaken. I just, I just saw that a couple of minutes ago. I don't – did anybody really think he wasn't going to play? Mm-hmm. I mean, he's had like six weeks to figure this out. And so, you know, hopefully – he doesn't get uh, tested too much, even though I do think that the Browns have the capabilities of being a really good pass-rushing team. And with Jim Schwartz as their defensive coordinator now, he certainly has an, a, a history of trying to attack the quarterback in many different ways.
Football fans and golfers come together to raise money in honor of NFL coach Vince Lombardi, support organizations that help prevent cancer, provide the best care to those fighting it, and find a cure. September 16th, it all takes place at Talking Stick Resort. Join the fun. It's not just golf. There's plenty of activities to get yourself involved with. Check out the website, LombardiFoundation.org slash Lombardi dash Southwest dash open. LombardiFoundation.org slash Lombardi dash Southwest dash open. It's poll question time next. Catch the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays from 1 to 3 p.m. right here on KDUS AM 1060 and online at KDUS1060.com. on KDOS AM 1060 on this Wednesday, September 6th. Bob Kemp, Kayla Mortelaro with you up until noon today as we typically do. Mondays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays. It's that time. It's time to answer today's poll questions, and we'll start with the KDOS1060.com poll question. We don't officially know who is going to be quarterback number one for the Arizona Cardinals when they take on the Washington Commanders in week one here on Sunday. So here's the question. Does it matter that the Arizona Cardinals have yet to announce a starting quarterback for week one on Sunday at Washington? Yes or no? The only team not to announce a starting quarterback for week number one. I don't think it matters. I think that Washington's defense is really good. It was good last season. Uh, I think the numbers last year are even you know, a little misleading because their offense was so bad that they put their defense in bad positions and they you know, were still in the top ten in points allowed in spite of all the offensive woes and uh, they've had some special teams gaffes that didn't help didn't help the defense either, uh, but uh, I don't think the, I don't think the uh, Washington defense, whether it be Del Rio or Rivera or them combined, really care the Cardinals' starting quarterback is for this week. So I don't think it matters at all. I think for me, it only matters if the team is unaware. I think that that, you know, obviously the preparation heading into week one, and especially if it's going to be Josh Dobbs uh, getting the start to get all of the necessary reps heading into practice, uh, because, you know, Drew Petzing alluded to it as to what would be the hurdles for Josh Dobbs this week. That's understanding the little nuances that a receiver, uh, you know, how he gets out of breaks, uh, you know, understanding maybe some, some hand signals and communicating without actually talking to be on the same page to understand what you're seeing in certain coverages so to really have all of that time time in a condensed period of time to get yourself ready for week one so to me it only matters uh if the team itself doesn't know because from a standpoint of you know fooling the commanders or anything like that they're going to be prepped and they're going to be ready to go and if their defense is uh at least on paper what it seems like they can be and how good they can be, uh, it, it just kind of comes down to a scheme for them. So they'll be ready to go. Agree with that. Uh, also, I have a prediction here. Uh, we need to start a tote board here. How many times do we hear from some of the, somebody in the Cardinals, whether it be a player, a coach, general manager, etc., that this is a work in progress? Maybe we should have started this in maybe January. So we might be a little behind, but we can just do like the tote board from you know, September through the end of the season. I'm guessing we're going to hear this the work in progress thing a lot. 
Yeah, I think that seems to be the uh, phrase of choice. I know Nick Rollis said something very similar to that uh, often in what his comments were this this uh, this week, meeting the media and, and just kind of mm-hmm. figuring out things things as to where they go and and how it all comes together. But honestly, though. If you're looking at the team and you're trying to say, well, these are our guys and these are who's going to play, like especially on the defensive side of the ball, I feel like work in progress is kind of the the term of choice. Uh, Yeah, I guess so. Uh, We're not any good. They're not going to say that. So uh, work in progress is kind of a way to rephrase that. Every time I hear that phrase, I think of Steve Nash when Terry Porter was the you know, ill-fated the Suns coach there for a while. And everything that Nash said for like two months, three months, was work in progress. It's a work in progress because he didn't want to answer and say, you know, we suck and our coach is in over his head. So we could do it a, a couple of different ways, just a tote board for, you know, how many days are <laughs> yeah. has it mentioned or like, you know, uh, when I worked at FedEx, you had like how many days were, you know, accident free. Uh, we could do that. <laughs> <laughs> So how many days have we gone since no one has said uh, work in progress or whatever? But uh, back to a whole different viewpoint at FedEx now. Accident free (laughs) day and everybody's celebrating. Yeah, exactly. Uh, KDOS1060.com here. And the masses are on the no side of things here to the tune of 90 percent of the vote. Yes, has made such a surge. It's gotten closer. Oh, right. Getting closer. We do this for another like six months. It'll be maybe. 70 30 <laughs> maybe uh flipping this on over to the twitter side of things here at kdus am 1060 as it is taking forever to refresh the question though essentially comes down to which team most needs to solve their contract situation between the chiefs and chris jones and the 49ers and nick bosa oh wait hold on we have breaking news Sources, according to Aaron, Aaron, Ian Rappaport here, the Cardinals are expected to have Josh Dobbs as their starting quarterback oh. this week with rookie Clayton Toon getting the backup reps. So there we go. That from Ian Rappaport Ooh. here moments ago. Okay. wonder who the sources are. Yeah, Maybe it's... Josh Dobbs. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Back to the question or, here. Or, t- or Jobs is, Dobbs' is rep- representation. That's my first guess where the source is coming from. Right, since the team has gone to great lengths to not say anything. Correct. So that'd be uh, that's my first guess. Which team most needs to solve their contract situation? Uh, so I'm looking at this here. I mean, both I think are very deserving. You know, of Nick Posa getting the contract that he he is seeking. I think Chris Jones deserving of getting a raise, as he puts it. So it's definitely not from a production standpoint of what each player brings to the team. I guess the way that I'm looking at analyzing this question is that from a 49ers standpoint, I mean, yes, I think Nick Bosa puts the 49ers defense from being upper echelon to like either number one or number two and really distances themselves defensively from the rest of the league. So I think that from that standpoint here, the 49ers maybe can get away with uh, some of the other positions being more solid uh, in a unit of collectiveness here. So I'm looking at it more from the Chiefs side of things that when Chris Jones is not there or at least not playing in the position that we saw him to start last season that the defense really 
suffered, that there was a, a lot of holes on that defensive side for, for the Chiefs, and that Chris Jones was able to fix some of those things with 15 and a half sacks last year, plus all of the pressures, certainly helps out the secondary for the Chiefs. And so I think that when I'm looking at this, if Chris Jones is not out there, that changes where the Chiefs are defensively in terms of tiers uh, throughout the league. Yeah, um, yeah. We talked about this question when we uh, you know, started the second hour, as we do when we refresh the poll questions at the top of the hour. And I mentioned that I think that Bosa is more likely or more deserving to get a you know, a, a contract closer to Aaron Donald than Jones. But I might have been, I was kind of intentionally playing with you uh, people out there. I apologize. I don't try to do that very often, but I was in this case. Because I don't think there's any doubt that the Chiefs need Chris Jones more than the 49ers need Nick Bosa. Short term, long term is a whole different issue. But short term, I think the Chiefs just have a bottom line. has They have fewer playmakers, especially up front, uh, as opposed to the 49ers who have other pass rushers. The 49ers, I think, uh, you know, maybe even without Nick Bosa, maybe not the best front seven in football, but still pretty damn good. Uh, so I think that they could get by for at least a short period of time without uh, Bosa. I'm not sure how many games uh, you know, the Chiefs – well, let's rephrase that. I don't know how many games the Chiefs' defense would be affected without Chris Jones. Uh, yeah, exactly. So it, here we go with where the masses are at, which is kind of interesting. 49ers, Nick Bosa at 66.7% of the vote. Chiefs, Chris Jones at 33.3% at KDUS AM 1060. When we had Matt Mayoko on the program previewing the 49ers, you know, the, the sentiment here was no party, no side is worried about a deal not getting done. Now that we are just a few days away from the start of the season, obviously still time for a deal to get done. Um, but does it maybe change kind of the narrative is that the, the 49ers aren't bending enough? to to what Nick Bosa wants is it getting framed that Nick Bosa is is not taking a more team friendly deal like where are we kind of at has it turned less copacetic I guess I'm not sure because yesterday Rappaport uh, indicated that he thought that Bosa could be being there like today uh he's not in the facility at least this morning he wasn't so it sure seems like Bosa is closer to a deal than Chris Jones is though yeah, yes, I would definitely, at least how it's being played out in the media, definitely. It seems like Chris Jones is, like, ramping up what he's saying publicly, too. Yeah, I'll add one other thing is, you know, they played the Steelers this week, and Mike Tomlin was asked about this yesterday at his press conference, and he talked about, he, he, that uh, paraphrasing again here, that uh, they're, they're going about this as if Bose is going to play, and he used the uh, comparison when Watt was holding out a couple of years ago and, like, signed the night before their season opener. And then he went out and, like, had more than multiple sacks. <laughs> so, you know, the other thing is I can kind of understand that. If you're an edge rusher as opposed to Chris Jones, an inside guy, if you're an edge rusher, what's your job? Go get the quarterback. You don't think you need to do a whole lot of prep work for that. Just, you know, you run by the tackle or do your swim move and you know, go sack the guy with the ball. That is true. Uh, you know, and plus he's been a part of the defense for 
basketball his entire career. So it's not like he's learning a new scheme and they're not flipping from a 4-3 to a 3-4, etc. He's he's just plugging in to doing exactly what he did before. Many coordinators, and it's the same scheme for the most part defensively in San Francisco. Even though it is a new coordinator, you're right, running the same scheme. It's like three guys in four years now or something like that in San Francisco. Four out of five, something like that. Or three out of five, I guess it is. Robert Sala moving on to the Jets and D'Amico Ryan's now here with the Texans. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, it's, uh, but it's still the same approach. Just, you know, when you have those front seven guys, why would you change anything? (laughs) Very true. Don't, don't try to fix what's not broken. On the other side of the break, we wrap up this Wednesday, September 6th edition of Extra Point. Happening next. Every Monday night, check out Ray Adams as he hosts the Monday Night Golf and Lifestyle Show from 6 to 7 p.m. here on KDUS AM 1060. edition of Extra Point right here on KDOS AM 1060 online at KDOS1060.com and with the KDOS 1060 app powered by Superbook Sports. Bob Kemp, Kayla Mortolaro with you, but Bob, it is thank you time. As always, we thank you for listening. Special thanks to the callers, emailers, tweeters, texters, whomever or whatever else slipped through the cracks. Also, our guest today, a Cardinals discussion with Howard Balzer from PHNX.com. Uh, we hadn't talked with Howard. Uh, I talked to Howard off the air or on the air since uh, uh, the uh, you know, Isaiah Simmons trade and uh, the Colt McCoy departure. Uh, so we covered those things among uh, those were the uh, couple of the primary topics with Howard. But we got into a few other things, too. So podcast away when we're done here. Also, Sound of the Day, courtesy of uh, Amazon Prime Video, NBC, ESPN, Fox, CBS, Major League Baseball and also Pac-12 Networks. Special thanks, as always, to uh, Kayla, Corey, and Aaron. And Kayla's going to tell us what's coming up next. That's right. Up next from noon to 1 o'clock, it is Sports Map Radio Network, followed by the Doug Gottlieb Show from 1 to 3, the Rich Eisen Show from 3 to 5, and the Sports with Dave Rooster Beerstein from 5 to 6. Uh, for the Diamondbacks, they are closing things out with the Rockies in their three-game yeah. series this afternoon. It's Chris Flexen versus Zach Davies. That's a 12.40 p.m. start. A couple of other things that have caught my attention. Pretty sure the Diamondbacks, this is the biggest favorite they've been in any game this season. Minus 220, basically, uh, is the... Uh, you know, and the diamond. Remember, the the betting market has been anti Diamondbacks for much of the season. That's how little they think of Chris Flexen, who I you know basically thought little of as a pitcher earlier in the show. A couple of other things that have caught my attention here. So uh, Peyton Manning, he was the one that was behind his Omaha Productions, was behind the series quarterback that was on Netflix that followed Patrick Mahomes and Kirk Cousins and Marcus Mariota around, and uh, it was released this summer. Well, a lot of quarterbacks have been asked in training camp, you know, if they're going to be participating in quarterback, Mm -hmm. and most have been saying no. And, you know, 
part of me with like trying to think about, uh, well, okay, are they really saying no or are they saying no because they don't want to then be asked how it's going throughout the year and that we'll just find out later on when it gets released? Well, maybe that was the wrong theory because uh, Peyton Manning here is now quoted as saying that he is having a hard time getting quarterbacks to sign up for it. And his quote here is, I think maybe some guys are thinking that it is going to be a distraction, even though I told a couple of them, I guarantee you'll win the Super Bowl like Mahomes if you do it. <laughs> I did not know the Manning was behind the whole the whole series at all. So that's a, once again, breaking news to me. <laughs> Uh, a couple of other things NFL-wise here. Uh, Chris Mortensen announced that he is retiring from ESPN. Yeah. Completed his 33rd NFL draft in April. Uh, and, of course, you know, knowing about him just being so uh, in, involved in NFL breaking news and then his battle with throat cancer uh, back in 2016. Mm -hmm. So for him to, to still be doing it from 2016 to 2023, and it sounds like it was also a stage four situation as well. He always had to undergo several several screenings and tests to make sure that he was still doing all right. Yeah, uh, I got to met Mortensen a few, got to meet him a few times over the years. Uh, you know, really impressive human being. I always liked his work on the air. I think he was, uh, yeah, Will McDonough was the first guy, was a newspaper guy that I remember, you know, splashed on the television scene. But Mortensen wasn't that far after that. Uh, I think that those two guys are certainly uh, pioneers as far as, you know, they went from print media to electronic media. Yeah, he was with Atlanta, right, covering the Braves and the Falcons? Yeah, uh, AGC, the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, if I remember correctly, back in the day. USA Basketball beat Italy 100-63 to yesterday. They'll play Germany in the semifinals on Friday. And then we know what's happening for the Ryder Cup with Team Europe making their selections. Captains picks from Luke Donald on Monday. Tommy Fleetwood, Justin Rose, Sepp Straka, Shane Lowry, Ludwig Abberg, and Nikolai Hogard. And apparently this is going to be the Ryder Cup where there's controversy about who the selections are as uh, uh, left off the European squad was Adrian Moronk, which has led to some controversy here. And he has been outspoken ahead of the Irish Open this week that, uh, you know, he wanted to be a part of the team and he was just truly stunned that he was not selected to be a part of the team. He, in fact, Moronk won this event uh, that was held at this same golf course in Rome. Uh, last year so certainly knows the golf course really well has played pretty steady but when you have a guy like Ludwig Abberg who just turned professional this summer but has come out of the gates playing really well and then it looks like Luke Donald going with Nikolai Hogard who has a lot of upside and potential we've taken him in a few top 20 top 40 bets this year that have cashed so we'll see how things shake up with the Ryder Cup but that's the captain's picks for Team Europe facing Team USA here at the end of the month that'll do it for this wednesday edition of extra point looking forward to getting back with you tomorrow the sports zone kicks things off starting at 9 a.m